As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Gentlemen, to the glorious return of regular scheduled programming of the Total Soccer Show! Yay! It's a new year! And it's a leap year, which means an even bigger year for soccer. And the MLS has an extra day to squeeze in a new tournament or make some bad decisions. <laughs> Wonderful stuff. We at TSS have decided to kick off 2024 with some predictions for the coming year. My name is Ryan Bailey. Joining me with his crystal ball, your friend and mine, Taylor Rockwell. Hello, Taylor. Hello, I'm now concerned that nothing I have will be as good as the MLS cramming in something for a leap year, leap year celebration. That's good stuff, Ryan, <laughs> and also feels possible. Leap, leap Day tournament that's going to involve... Um, yeah. Leap Year's Back tournament. Yeah. <laughs> With Leap Day William, <laughs> of course. <laughs> do, you think, do you think a Leap Day tournament where Messi plays five consecutive back-to-back games is something they'll do? I think they'll do that, right? <laughs> <laughs> just they've just they've really just uh like stopped hiding the truth of it's the Messi show at this point if that's what they do is Messi plays ten straight games back to back to back to back to back to back to back mm. uh, and yeah they're they're televised for that one day which we don't have it's gonna be great wonderful stuff joining us Taylor with his soothsaying skills Graham Ruthven hello Graham happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you as well, Ryan. Did you have a good good Christmas? I had a good Christmas. I mean, I'm twice the size I was with the last time I spoke to you, mm. but I guess that's what a diet of beer and like pure saturated fat for two week, two weeks will will do. Also, 50, I don't know what the advert weeks was that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That could have been any two weeks of the year. Um, I don't know what TV commercials are like in the US, but the adverts on TV in Britain aren't helping me feel any better about myself right now because before Christmas. They're all like, eat what you want, drink what you want, you deserve yep. it. And then after Christmas, they're like, look what you've done to yourself, fatty. <laughs> yeah. Every time I turn on the TV right now, that's the message I'm getting. Greg, I, I had a, a physical before Christmas, the week before Christmas, and the doctor said, and I quote, you could stand to lose a few pounds. A doctor told me that. Wonderful. If your doctor, I, I saw your uh, traditional Christmas um, pool dunk, Ryan, mm. and if your doctor's saying that to you, then I shudder to think what you would say yeah. to me after the last two weeks. Yeah, I'm, I'm very 
concerned for like my annual checkup. If your doctor is saying that, my doctor is going to be like, I don't, I don't even know what. We're sending you to a program in one of the Scottish fatty programs, I guess. <laughs> oh, boy. Just don't measure BMI because I'm very much a beast and uh, apparently everybody is. Anyway, joining us on this intrepid journey of predictions, Nostradamus. Joe Lowry, hello. <laughs> It's me. Let's go. Um, guys, real quick, my trick on the physical thing is just never go to the doctor for literally any reason. And no one's ever going to tell you that. That is a motto Ooh, that I, to be I try to live by as often as possible. <laughs> also, Graham, the Leap Year is Back tournament is absolutely unbelievable. Best line of the new year on TSS so far. That's well played on your part. Thank you, Joe. It's, it's funny because we all think it might be true. MLS might, might, might try it. Seriously though, doctors are important, but like, what? Like, were you going to go and they're going to give you a Tylenol or like, I don't know, what's the deal here, guys? Come on. <laughs> there, there is that element of like Louis C.K. has the joke about going to his doctor because his ankle hurts, and his doctor is just like, yeah, your ankle's worn out. Like that's just all there is. Dude, you can take a bunch of Tylenol, uh, and that that is sort of what my doctor tells me when I complain about my ankles. And the obvious solution is stop aggressively playing soccer, but that's not a possible solution. So instead, it's just live in pain. I like Joe's approach of don't go to the doctor. Uh, I took that approach with a dentist, and that's how you get a double root canal. Really fun, really fun way. Yeah, well, well I, I had my first physical after returning to the US, Taylor, after not having one for just over two years. It turns out uh, when you live in Italy and you eat pasta and drink Aperol spritzes <laughs> most days, uh, you put on a lot of weight. That's what happens. When did you ever, ever eat authentic Italian food when you lived in Italy? You were at Hard Rock Cafe and, and all those kind of joints. When you I think those pieces. I think we're also getting an insight into Ryan's life in Italy, because to my understanding, Americans tend to lose weight when they stay abroad because there's so much more walking and public transport uh, than there is just like driving from place to place. So, Ryan, I like to assume that you were still driving your muscle car from like your home to the 30 minutes to the Starbucks and then back. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I had a little rascal scooter to get around town uh, for, for all the other times as well. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful stuff. Patreon.com slash Total Soccer Show for our bonus content. If you'd like to support Total Soccer Show and this kind of nonsense conversation, we've got bonus episodes on there. We've got video content and, of course, access to the Discord. You can't spell Discord without Disco just like to say that don't know why uh, but all the cool kids are hanging out in our discord and having lots of fun patreon.com slash total soccer show once again uh, why don't we gentlemen get to our predictions for 2024 the calendar year um perhaps we should start off if anyone's got any premier league predictions taylor do you have anything premier league focused to start off with uh, I do. I've got a couple different ones, actually. I'll start with a very straightforward one. I think I texted you all that I'm not treating these as very specific predictions where I tend to give grief if they're a little too broad or too obvious. I think I'm kind of going right down the middle with some of these. I think Erling Holland will win the Golden Boot race by a comfortable distance. Uh, he is currently joint top with Mohamed Salah at 14 goals. Worth noting, Salah is uh, going with Egypt to the African Cup of Nations, so we'll see how long he is gone, but that should limit his impact in the immediate future. Uh, Holland has scored that many goals, though, those 14 goals in five fewer games, 500-ish fewer minutes, and I think the expectation, Graham has talked about this previously, of Man City just sort of going on a run, which I think they will, and kind of just churning out results, being in a very comfortable position by, say, March or mid-March. And I think Erling Holland will score plenty of goals along that run. So I think he wins the Golden, golden Boot race pretty comfortably. So you're completely discounting Scott McTominay then? from this equation. I mean, if Eric Ten Hag would use him as the striker that he truly is, then I would put him in this conversation. But since he's going to be a holding midfielder who can't do holding midfielder things, uh, yeah, I don't know how many goals he's going to score. 
Yeah, we also missed the, I know we had Christmas and New Year and what else we had, Hanukkah, I'm sure there were loads of other things. We also missed happy Rasmus Hoyland scores a Premier League goal day. Yeah. That happens oh, while hey. we're away. So exciting. Um, so he, maybe maybe, he, maybe he's going to catch up. Haaland, he's got checks notes like 15 goals to catch up in the second half of the season. Graham, what is celebrated more often, Leap Day is back or um, Rasmus Hoyland scores a goal? <laughs> I mean, factually, there's nothing in it right now. <laughs> We shall see. Uh, okay, uh, I've got a fairly, if we're talking about Man City related, reasonably obvious predictions, Man City going to win the Premier League, yeah. I will say, is a good prediction for me. Uh, you know, halfway point for them, 19 games. They are five points behind, uh, but a game in hand. Um, if you look at the numbers from last season, last season after 19 games, they had 42 points. They were five points off the lead. Now they are five points off the lead. Same situation, yeah. baby. Feels like they're going to carve a similar path when you look at their fixtures the next few fixtures we've got Newcastle Burnley Brentford Everton Chelsea Bournemouth and then Man United uh, in March so that's the next top seven team they have to play and that's not till March so it feels like they've got a good run to go on here it feels like not necessarily other teams above them been dropping points while they were you know they missed a game for for the Club World Cup as well they're going to have players coming back Kevin De Bruyne coming back with his lovely new hair love that new hair that's a good look for him the floppiness works for me very much um you know, Doku, Haaland, all, all being pretty fit. I think it's inevitable, uh, Joe, that uh, Man City yeah. will walk to this one once again. Yeah, I I don't know if they're going to walk towards it. I, I think they're going to have to pick it up a little bit and, and, and put in a little bit of work. But, Ryan, I wanted to ask you, even though I think I agree with you on the whole, if Liverpool didn't have to send Salah to AFCON, would you say the same thing? Because I, I think I probably would. I'm not sure that changes enough for me. I just think that maybe we're tossing what Liverpool have done to the side a little too easily. And I, I didn't expect them to be where they are right now. And I think that it's still the reaction of a lot of folks out there outside of Merseyside. But I, I still think with Allison and goal and with a lot of the other quality they have, even when Salah's gone, like they're not just going to bend over. I don't know. What, what do you think, Ryan? I, yeah, I, I see what you're saying there. I think Salah's a very important figure in the team it goes without saying what 14 goals in the league already so far and I think he will be missed uh, during AFCON for sure I just feel like Liverpool they're a bit they're, they're danger men more than Man City I think they could be probably got at a bit more there's probably a bit more there, there's some in, in the uh in the Liverpool Death Star there might yeah. be a few more weak points to be got at is that fair to say Graham? Yeah, I, th I think so. Um, I've learned my lesson with Manchester City. I think it was around this time last year that I changed my prediction from Man City to Arsenal to win the Premier League title. And obviously that crumbled in the second half of the season. We've just seen it so many times over the years with Pep Guardiola and, and, and Manchester City. They figure things out in the second half of the season. So I would go along with your prediction, Ryan. But I, 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 one other thing I would add to that prediction is it feels like this season will be the first season in a while that a, quite a flawed team will win the title. In the past seasons, it's kind of been Man City winning the treble and Liverpool with a record points tally and Liverpool and Man City in the same season getting a record points tally. And it feels like they're kind of tripping over each other a little bit more this season. So I do think Manchester City will win the Premier League title, but it does feel like there are more vulnerabilities to them this season. So who's, just really... Who's some glossed over Joe saying that they're not just going to bend over. I'm still reeling <laughs> from that one. Uh, yeah, uh, Graham, I'm, uh, or Ryan, I'm in a similar position to you. I had City will win the league as one of my predictions. Jonathan Wilson uh, made a very compelling argument for why that will be the case, but you've already gone over a lot of the points he made. I do think it's really interesting, though, that when you look at that schedule and how they have an easy run until that game against Man United, which 
could well be easy by that point. The counterpoint that I've seen pretty often is that after that run, they then have Liverpool, Brighton, Arsenal, and Aston Villa in a row. Uh, so it could get tricky for them. There could be a downturn in form, but also by March, if they have that little bit of a window or that little bit of a gap that we would expect them to have, then I think they are playing with house money at that point and teams are trying to catch them or teams are trying to stay in that top four. And I think the pressure will be on those other sides as opposed to Man City. So I think that's why we end up saying it'll be like maybe not a breeze, maybe not a stroll, but it does feel like they will get on top of the table and then it will just sort of be this uh, inevitable slide to a finish where they uh, finish a few points ahead of everybody else. Yeah. Feels like maybe not, maybe not be a breeze, but we are saying it with a sigh. That's uh, yeah. certain. It yes, is. Uh, Graham. I'm intrigued of who was the last flawed team to win the Premier League. Was it was it Ferguson's United? Was it that far back? Um, it's going to be a like Chelsea team in there. A Chelsea flawed, team in right? there, yeah. yeah, like a Conte Chelsea team, or I mean, I mean, I know it was a great story, but Leicester City, quite a flawed team, I guess. They had momentum, everything went for. Show them. me the flaws. Show me the flaws. <laughs> well, n- none in none in that season, perhaps. We saw them the following season where they almost got relegated and sacked Claudio Ranieri. But the point I'm making is it feels like for the last five years we've had these kind of legendary Premier League teams that have won the title. And this yeah. season it feels like they're, they're, the level... I'd, actually, I was going to say the level has dropped. I think there's a, there's a case for the whole league, or certainly the top half of the league, that the level has actually lifted with teams like Aston Villa and Brighton. It's just that there's more competition in that top half of the table. This season it feels anyway. Okay. Joe, would you like to kick us off with another pretty please? I would absolutely love to, Ryan. My Premier League prediction is that Chelsea will finish at least two spots higher than Manchester United. So that is the, the nuts and bolts of the prediction. We're more than halfway through the year, and Chelsea right now are two spots lower than Man United. They're in 10th. Manchester United are in 8th. I think that's going to flip by the end of the year because mostly I just genuinely think that Chelsea are a much better team. I know these are like the two meme teams. I'm working on the trademark for that, by the way. But these are the two meme teams in the Premier League. But I I, I think some of what Chelsea are doing is good. And I, I don't know that I can use that sentence to describe Manchester United, frankly. I think Nicholas Jackson is excellent. I think Cole Palmer is very, very good. And I think Pochettino, as the year goes on, is only going to get closer to solving their puzzle in central midfield. So with those things sort of as positives for Chelsea and Manchester United, I kind of just go through the list. We talked about Rasmus Hoyland. It's just a whole lot of blech or it's a whole lot of bad and maybe one or two things that are like, okay, to maybe you could be optimistic about in the new year. I like Chelsea. I like the odds of Chelsea, I should say, being able to leapfrog them and maybe even put a little distance between Manchester United and, and the Blues. So I've got Chelsea finishing two spots higher at least than Manchester United in the final table. Joe, quick counterpoint. Um, nuh-uh. <laughs> yeah. How about that? Joe, before we started recording, we talked about how we were like excited to be back. It was going to be, you know, it's good to be recording. We we enjoyed the break, and you've just really, really just brought it all back home to me right away. Thanks for that, my friend. I don't Sorry. disagree with anything you said. I don't think these are optimistic times for Manchester United. I do have a note on them, but it is not a prediction, so I'll hold that off until the end of the show. But I think you're probably right. I do expect Chelsea to to find more form as they get just more consistency under Pochettino. Maybe they make some changes in January. Uh, who knows? But I, I do think that they will uh, go up the table, and I don't man- see Manchester United doing the same. 
So I'm going to go with my prediction here because I have also linked Chelsea and Manchester United just in a, in, a, in a different way. So my prediction is that Graham Potter will be Manchester United manager at some point in 2024. I don't so, like this timeline. Arguably, I don't care for this timeline at all. <laughs> <laughs> arguably the biggest story over the Christmas period. I know listeners, a lot of listeners will, will know this, but also I appreciate over Christmas it's difficult. It, sometimes it's easy, excuse me, to, to miss certain things. So one of the biggest stories over the Christmas period was that Sir Jim Ratcliffe and Ineos are finally in the door at Manchester United. So Ratcliffe has bought 25% of the club for around $1.5 million. But he also gets full sport and control of the club for that money. The Glazers have just handed that over to Ineos because they never cared about running an actual football team as demonstrated by, well, like, everything that you see at Manchester United right now. So Ratcliffe, he's in Manchester right now. His right-hand man, Sir, Sir Dave Brailsford, has, has been at matches over Christmas. It is really weird seeing him in a Man United capacity, capacity, having known him as this very prominent figure from a different sport. But anyway, he's Ineos's uh, sporting director guy and he's leading an examination of everything at the club. That examination, I think, will take a while to pan out. But before we get to the summer, I predict that Eric Ten Hag will be gone and Graham Potter will be hired as his replacement. He's still out of work after leaving Chelsea. I think the way that Pochettino has, um, I agree with Joe that the building blocks are in place with Pochettino, but they're still 10th in the season in, in the table, right? I wouldn't say it's been an outstanding season for them. So the way that Pochettino has struggled a bit since going in there has, I think, helped Potter's stock a little bit. And the reason I think Enios will go for Potter is that Ratcliffe and Brailsford are all about hiring the best of British and being the best of British. And when you look at the cycling team that they have, they go and get British cyclists. They go and get Chris Froome and Bradley Wiggins, these sort of like British icons. I think they'll go for Paul Mitchell. I was reading an athletic article just before we started recording. Dan Ashworth is apparently who they want as their sporting director with Paul Mitchell as a, like a, a recruitment expert. Um, both English, British guys. And uh, I think Potter will be their pick as manager as kind of the best available British manager right now. And I'm sure he'll sort out Manchester United's goal-scoring problems. His, his Chelsea team, as we all remember, scored lots and lots of goals. So my United <laughs> fans can <laughs> look forward to that. that that's interesting. Do, are you citing a particularly British angle because of uh, Ratcliffe's political leanings? Potentially. Right? I mean, that might be a part of it. Yeah, a big yeah. Brexiteer only wants British players playing for Manchester United or British managers. Yeah. But there is a track record, to be serious. There is, there is a track record of it. If you look at his... Um, I mean, Nice signed Ross Barkley. <laughs> um, and Enios have, like, as I say, British cyclists. So they do tend to um, want to reflect like British sport and British football. Man United to sign Ross Barkley. Got it. He's doing quite well this season for Luton. Uh, probably better well. than a lot of their midfielders. Indeed, indeed. Taylor, Graham Potter, does that excite you? I, I wonder if he is of the calibre that uh, a Manchester United fan would expect uh, for an incoming manager. I think he would have been, obviously, prior to taking over Chelsea in the way that went. I think it really just depends on how bad things get for Eric Ten Hag, because I, I still like him. I still like the idea of having like an overarching vision and plan. Maybe that's it, what Ineos will bring, and then it allows them to like clear the decks and, and start putting in their plan. It's just that that seems to have been a thing that's been happening for a little over a decade at this point. So I don't think I would love it uh, even if things do seem like they're not going well, just because it feels like more chopping and changing and trying something different and more investment. And then we've got to clear the squad out again. Um, it feels like not necessarily a step in the right direction. But with that said, if 
as you all have predicted, it is Man United sort of sliding down the table, continuing to be inconsistent in the results they get, uh, then I think maybe there there are greater concerns there. And maybe it is Graham Potter's renaissance. He comes back in and we're all reminded why he wore the turtleneck in the first place. So uh, that that is an interesting one, Graham. I think an interesting thing uh, that I mentioned earlier it's not really a prediction. I think for Man United supporters, watch what happens or doesn't happen with Alvaro Fernandez. Uh, he's on loan at present. He is Football not... manager icon. I always sign him on loan, no matter Do you? who I am. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, that makes me happy. He's on loan at Granada, not playing as much. I think he has 12 appearances, but only like three as of like mid-November. And, and it's been a lot of late substitution appearances, but... Uh, United have had depth options at left back all season. They let Sergio uh, Reguilon go back to Spurs. They had a break clause in January, which they activated. So he'll go back to Spurs. But Tyrell Malasia is not yet fit. He should be fit soon, apparently. Luke Shaw has been injury hit and inconsistent this season. So it's not as though they have a ton of options. And it felt to me like if you keep uh, Reguilon there, it's a sign that they're just kind of seeing out the season to, to chop that is an interesting choice, even with fewer games, with no Champions League, with no League's Cup, or League Cup, rather. Uh, so if they were to bring Fernandez back, to me, that's Ineos sort of doing what Graham was talking about and bringing back young players who have come through the ranks and, and been with the club. I think he was their U20 player of the year. He has prior experience in the championship. So if they start, if they make that move, to me, it would be an interesting sign that they're bringing young players back and giving them an opportunity, which is maybe a little bit of a lost season then, if that's the, the route they're going. But at the same time, to me, that could be an interesting sign of progress. So that's what I would pay attention to if Alvaro Fernandez comes back and if he plays any minutes. Well, there you go, listener. We're starting 2024 the way we left off yeah. the last year. Talking too much about Man United. <laughs> My fault. Uh, let's My fault. take a quick break. <laughs> when we come back, plenty more, back shortly. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Total Soccer Show, welcome back. We are predicting things for 2024 in the world of soccer. We go now to Joe Lowry for his next prediction. Uh, Santa didn't bring him uh, fast blazing internet, unfortunately. Unreal. So we'll see if he can hear us. Joe, your next prediction, please. Awesome. I love this. Got new internet over the break and it helped zero percent. This is fantastic. Uh, Copa America. Let's talk Copa America, shall we? My prediction for this summer's tournament, it will go on this summer, which I cannot believe, but we're going to get an all South American set of semifinals, which means the U.S. men's national team will be out in the quarterfinals or earlier. I think it's going to be in the quarterfinals. I said that on the Patreon uh, kind of before the break really got going. I think the U.S. will finish second in Group C behind Uruguay. Graham, I think you agree with me on this. And I think they're going to lose to Brazil in the quarterfinals. Coincidentally, that game will be in the mighty Glendale, Arizona. Uh, The U.S. absolutely has a chance to do better. Like if you tell me right now that the U.S. are in the Copa America final, I won't be shocked. If you tell me they're in the semifinals, I won't be shocked. I do think there's a real gap between even the second tier South American teams 
and the U.S. in the top of CONCACAF. So my semifinal picks, I've got the picks down. You all can write these down and take them to the bank. Argentina, coming out of Group A, winning their quarterfinal, making it to the semifinals against Ecuador, doing the exact same thing in Group B. And then it's Uruguay winning Group C, winning their quarterfinal to go and face Brazil, who will beat the U.S. in the quarterfinals in Arizona. So we're going to get Argentina-Ecuador on one side of the bracket and Uruguay-Brazil on the other side of the bracket. I just don't think CONCACAF is strong outside of the U.S. And I think the U.S. with that quarterfinal draw likely against Brazil, unless they make some real moves in the group stage and beat Uruguay in the final day. None of that's impossible. But if you're asking me to go with my gut, my gut says South America only from the semifinals on. Graham, how do you feel about that prediction? Yes, I also have a a Copa America um, prediction. I'm coming at it from a slightly different side than than Joe, but generally speaking, in terms of the bracket, I I agree with Joe in that I think... I think Uruguay are... I've watched Uruguay a couple of times under Marcelo, Marcelo Bielsa and they've, they've been good in those games. And so I, I think not only will Uruguay top the, the group that the US are in, I think Uruguay could win the whole thing, go the, go the distance in Copa America. But my prediction related to the US is that the, the US will get a big result at, at the Copa America. So they're in that group with Uruguay. I think if I'm looking at the bracket, they'll finish second in that group. If we, again, go back to the bracket, we'll see that Brazil, um, if the US finish second in Group C, they finish the, face the winners of Group D, and that's likely to be Brazil. I predict that the US will beat Brazil in the quarterfinals. Um, so Brazil, they're a bit all over the place at the moment. They're without a win in their last four World Cup qualifiers. They've been waiting on Carlo Ancelotti to take over in the summer. But uh, newsflash, he's just signed a new contract at Real Madrid over Christmas, so he's not joining for this tournament. Um, so I don't think they're going to turn up at the Copa America in great shape. Obviously, the US will have home support behind them, but also it just feels like with the US, a number of key players are turning a, co- a corner again in their club career. So Christian Pulisic is in really good form for AC Milan right now. Wes McKenney is in decent form for, for Juventus. Balogun... Struggling for goals, at least for Monaco, but playing first-team football for a, for a decent team. Ricardo Pepe making a bit of an impact at, at PSV Eindhoven. So I think even just with Balogun and Pepe, this team likely will be stronger than they were at the World Cup in Qatar. Anthony Robinson, by the way, is getting better and better with every game he's playing. He's one of the best left-backs in the Premier League this season. I saw him being linked with with uh, with Liverpool in the, in the January window. That feels like that could be a, a good fit. So I think the US in 2024, obviously 2023 was a slightly awkward year for the US. I think things will start to come together in 2024 and they will be in decent shape, whereas Brazil, if I'm doing the bracket, not in great shape. And so I predict there will be a statement win for the US at the Copa America. They won't go the distance. I think the semifinals might be the ceiling for this team. But yeah, I think there will be one big win for the US. I really would like that to be the case, not surprisingly, Graham, because not just because I want to beat Brazil, not just because I'd like the U.S. to make the semifinals, but because losing to Brazil in the quarters feels like the most like scripted way this could play out. If the U.S. gets out of the group, a group that I think they should somewhat comfortably get out of, uh, I, I, I don't think Bolivia or Panama should be as big of challenges, and we've seen Panama not be as big of a challenge of late. So then getting into the quarterfinal and playing Brazil and losing, it just feels like, yeah, that's kind of what we expected. Like, And it would be a sort of ho-hum tournament. It doesn't make anybody feel any differently about Greg Berhalter or this team. Mm. I, I'm not sure there's much Greg Berhalter could do to make some people feel differently about him, maybe winning Copa America. But I do think getting a result against Brazil would be a very positive sign of things moving in the right direction. So uh, that would make me very happy because then it's not just the sort of tournament we expected from the U.S. There are some wrinkles along the way that uh, can be used pretty positively as the team builds towards 2026. Uh, 
did we book a? Uh, did, sorry, did we predict a winner for Copper America? Are we? Th- I'll are you go thinking with Uruguay. Uruguay okay, I'll put my neck on the line. Just watching the qualifiers. Obviously, Argentina have this guy called Messi. He's pretty decent, and they've been in decent form as well in, in, in qualification. But I have watched a bit of qualification. Uruguay have been the most impressive team that I've watched, and Brazil haven't really been there at all. So yeah, I'll put my neck on the line and say Uruguay. And when Darwin Nunez heads over for the fifth time in, in one game, how are you going to feel about that, Graham? <laughs> like Liverpool fans do, watching him every single week. Yeah, I like the, I like the Uruguay shout there, Graham. I, I think the bottom of the bracket, so Group C, Uruguay's in Group C, Brazil in Group D, I think who makes it to the final from the bottom half with the U.S. in that half as well is probably the most interesting story up until the actual final itself because I think Argentina have a fairly straightforward path on the top of the bracket. They've got Mexico on that side. Mexico aren't good right now. They've got Ecuador, Ecuador, who are are good and fun but are not as good as Argentina. So I think Argentina have a pretty straightforward path to the final and they are my pick to win this thing. But who gets out of the bottom half, I think, is going to be fascinating. Joe, while you stepped away to, I, I assume, scream at your internet service provider. Unsuccessfully. Uh, Graham, it was not responsive <laughs> to my screams. Uh, Graham predicted the USA to beat Brazil in the quarterfinals. Love that. Love that energy, Graham. Bring it on. I don't think that's going to happen. But like I said in the open, I wouldn't be shocked if that happens. Brazil is flawed right now, and who knows what their managerial situation will look like by the time the summer comes around. It will probably look different than it does right now. I'd put some money down on that. But, I mean, the U.S. is a good team, and we saw in the first half against Germany back in October, yes, that's a friendly, yes, it's a different sort of test. I genuinely believe this U.S. team can hang with any team in the world. I just still don't favor them, and I'm not bold enough like Graham to predict them to beat a team that's as good as Brazil. I'm going to jump in here with a South America-related prediction. My prediction is that Leo Messi in 2024 will retire. Uh, (gasps) At the end of the year, he'll be 37, He's got nothing left to prove at this point, obviously, but I think that'll be compounded by being perhaps a show pony for LLS for this year. He'll be playing a lot of games, potentially getting some injuries in those games. Argentina, as we've noted, are favourites to win the Copa America to retain the title. I agree with Joe. I think they'll probably do that. It's, I, I think just watching him in the last, the latter end of the 23 seasons, well, he looked pretty cooked in many of those games. I just don't know how much longer he's going to be infused to keep doing this. And my prediction is he does this mm. MLS season and then uh, then Grammy jumps off in November or so. I, th- I think they've got some pretty hefty chains at MLS HQ that might come in handy with, mm. with preventing that mm. prediction. Just chaining them to like Hungry Hungry Homer during an Isotopes <laughs> game. <laughs> Excellent reference. I like that. Uh, Wait, and, and Ryan, just so I think I heard you correctly, but you're saying at the end of the MLS season or playoffs, if they make it, not like they win Copa America and he says, you know what, that's it for me. No, I think the end of the MLS season. Okay. So the end of 24. Okay. But, but by, by mm-hmm. Christmas time, he will be a retired player is my prediction. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, that, that kind of... Uh, I was going to say links into my prediction. I haven't predicted that, but I have predicted that Messi and Inter Miami, they won't win the Shield, Supporters Shield, but they will win MLS Cup. And I could see a scenario where if Argentina win Copa America and he wins MLS Cup for Inter Miami, it's kind of like mission accomplished. I wouldn't I wouldn't completely rule him stepping to the sides. I just think with the, with the Shield... Inter Miami, they're going to have a lot of things to contend with this season. They've got like CONCACAF Champions Cup games and obviously the Copa America. And I just have the feeling Messi will be out of action for a bit before and after that t- tournament, meaning yeah. he doesn't play the month before and after Copa America and, and MLS. So I think that's going to impact Inter Miami's shield chances. But 
if there's one thing we know about Lionel Messi, besides him loving Publix, of course, the second thing we know about Lionel Messi is that he knows how to turn it on when it matters. And so when the playoffs come around and the Copa America is long gone in the distance and things have settled down a bit, I, I just kind of think as long as everyone is fit, Inter-Miami in that setting will, will, will kind of be a bit unstoppable. We saw Messi mania with the League's, Leagues Cup and the US Open Cup last year and the momentum that gave them. And so I'm envisaging a similar sort of thing when, with the playoffs. Um, so even if Inter-Miami have the worst kit in MLS next season, I don't know if, if anyone else has seen that. Yep. My word, it's a terrible is kit it a that Messi's going to be wearing what, next Grant, season. What is that thing? So I believe that is the logo for, is it Royal Caribbean Cruises? Is that a cruise company? Um, but yes, oh, it, it seems is, to Graham. be some... It seems to be some sort of, yes, trident, Joe, but it's a bad, bad kit. So anyway, despite the kit, I do think Inter-Miami will win MLS Cup with Messi. Graham, I think that's a a really smart prediction because Inter-Miami were historically awful for the first half of the season. Then Messi comes in, they get some results. They don't end up making the playoffs, even though I thought they would. But I, I do feel like a takeaway from that could be we were awful 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 for half the season and we were still only nine points away from making the playoffs so i i do see a scenario in which they maybe they start strong they get a bunch of wins then like have a little bit of a fade as Messi gets some rest some other players get some rest then they pick up more points then there's that break and even if they like qualify in sixth or seventh or eighth i think then if they have everybody sort of rested enough and in the right mindset i do feel like they could be a team that just kind of runs through the playoffs pretty comfortably so i think that's a, a solid shout graham ruffin yeah i just think when it comes to the playoffs and obviously as we've seen with columbus crew by no means that they have the most star-laden team last season but th- there are levels to this right if you're an opposition team in the playoff and you're he- heading to, da- to daft punk stadium in fort lauderdale and you're having to play suarez busquets alba and Lionel messi in a playoff game that's good even in, in the twilight of their careers that is that's quite a task so in that s- setting and scenario yeah just thinking at miami or there's a good chance they just sort of blow away teams like they did in, in League's Cup and on the way to the final of uh, of of the US Open Cup. Graham, Graham, you mentioned Luis Suarez there. Uh, Taylor, are you going to toss out your Luis Suarez MLS prediction now? Because this feels like the perfect time to do it. I've backed off of it a little bit, but I have ah. Luis Suarez will be the golden will be the golden boot winner. I think I guaranteed to Joe and David that I I didn't I don't know if I guaranteed, but I said I think there's a chance he sets the single season goal scoring record. Maybe I'll stick with that. All right, fine. Luis Suarez sets yes. the single season goal scoring record in Major League Soccer. Uh, there we go. That that is my prediction. I think that I think that's wrong Why? to get that out there up front. But Taylor, <laughs> I went through and watched. I watched some Luis Suarez. I wanted all three of you to attack me at the exact same time. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, Joe. I went in and watched some Luis Suarez film yesterday, and the guy looks real mm-hmm. good. <laughs> he looks real, real good. You see, mm-hmm. not just in the goal scoring. I mean, he's clearly lost a step, right? He was never the fleetest of foot player to begin with, but he, he's thirty-seven. It'll be thirty-seven when the season starts. One or the other. I don't remember what it is. Doesn't matter. He's old, right? But he still moves so well. He's still dominant physically. He played like almost 3,000 minutes, league minutes in Brazil last year. Like the dude is fine. He's healthy. I don't know if that's going to be the case forever. But as of today, regardless of what he's saying about, oh, I can't run code, get me out of my Gremio contract, which code happened. Like he is completely fine and ready to play a lot of minutes as things stand now. And he's not just the goal scorer, but his his goal contributions, Taylor. That's where I would focus my prediction if I was going to make a Suarez one. He is like an elite soccer player like forget about the the goal scoring stuff you can't but forget about it for a second his touch his his ability to find passes his vision you see that like when Zlatan comes across the Atlantic you see that even with someone like Zignac when he comes over right there's there's just certain players at a certain level they just hit the ball differently like they are they are doing something different than everybody else 
and Luis Suarez absolutely has that, even though that's never been his main thing. He's playmaking along with his goal scoring. When he plays, he'll probably play, I don't know, 25 games straight into Miami this year, something in that range. When he's in those games, like he is going to cause a lot of problems. So so the record's 34. I was loving it in the past. I thought it was Wando still, but that's 2012. That was 27. Uh, Carlos Vela has the single season goal scoring record, 34 goals in 2019. So by uh, choice record, Suarez is going to play 25 games. That's, uh, that's a lot of goals per game I that mean, Suarez is going to score. Still feels doable. He gets to play DC United, you know? We'll see what happens. Oh, true. Uh, but but, but I, I, I think it's a couple other things in addition to what Joe has already mentioned. Number one, it's just the obvious fact that he's coming in to play with Lionel Messi and Jordi Alba and Sergio Busquets. And there's going to be that connection there, that familiarity there. And I think to some extent, it it makes the transition easier. When Zlatan goes to LA, there's the, yes, he scores the goal from midfield, but there is a sort of betting in period, both for him and for the team. And I think Suarez coming in, I feel like it will be more or less a seamless uh, introduction. And I think he'll score plenty of goals right away. I also think he... Though he is maybe slightly slower, uh, I do think he'll stop doing the whole aging mafia Don uh, showing up with an oxygen tank and a neck brace to show why he can't play anymore. I think he'll be back to full fitness. I think he's also just going to be crafty, and I think he's going to draw fouls, and I think he's going to get penalties, and I think he'll probably take some of them. And I think he is just going to annoy MLS defenders who have never experienced a a force of personality like Luis Suarez. So I think he is going to do some, some solid goal scoring next season. (sighs) <sighs> that's a big sigh because I don't look forward to him being a master of the dark arts in Major League Soccer because I don't appreciate those dark arts. Um, Graham, I've just Googled the Inter Miami kit leak. Uh, that's an mm. interesting one. The, the, the crest is in the center, and you're right, that is the Royal Caribbean logo. Uh, incidentally, that company is responsible for my doctor telling me I could stand to lose a few pounds. Um, <laughs> I, I, I cite them directly. Um, that's the trident the doctor prodded you with. Come on, run! <laughs> That's right. That's right. He called me a piggy little boy and prodded me with a Royal Caribbean (laughs) trident. Graham, would you like to give us another prediction? (laughs) Yes. So on the back of that. um, So these predictions aren't necessarily things that I want to see happen, just things that I will that I think will happen. So keep that in mind with this next one. But 2024 will be the year that Jose Mourinho returns to the big time. Now, obviously, Roma isn't a small club by any measure. Hey, he's He's in in the eternal city, Graham. Settle settle down. Of course. Oh, you famously are an advocate of the Eternal City Rome on, on, on this show. Um, yeah, Roma isn't a small club by any measure, but it just feels like he's got one last big, in inverted commas, job left in him. Whether he deserves that or not, it's sort of difficult to work out if Mourinho has been a success in Rome or not. Um, obviously, he's got the tattoo with the Conference League trophy on it that says he has been a big success, but... Roma haven't qualified for the Champions League with him in charge. There's There's been no Scudetto challenge. It doesn't feel like that's going to happen this season either. But equally, it feels like some sort of restoration has happened since he left Spurs. I think the Roma fans love him. They sell out the Olympico for every single game. And when he's in charge, they, ha- they have won silverware when he's been there. They made a Europa League final last year. So I think <laughs> there has been some form of restoration. If I had to go one further with predicting where Mourinho will end up to put a bow on our Brazil chat, I think it will be Brazil that end up going for him. As we mentioned earlier, they're not getting Ancelotti but they still want a big name and I bet they go for Mourinho but then I also feel like the Premier League hasn't done with Mourinho yet even though it probably should be but the the, the Premier League just can't quit Jose Mourinho so 
somewhere along the lines in 2024, I think he'll be back in the big time, whether it's a big Premier League job or the Brazil job in 2024. So, Graham, just to be clear, the silverware you're referring to with Rome was uh, runner-up last year in the Europa League and then the Conference League the year before? Yeah, uh, <laughs> but th- yeah, that's what happens to a man when you leave Spurs. Those are the sort of trophies that you end up, uh, end up counting. That, I mean, you, you say that with Jess Taylor, but the Roma fans were starved of major finals Fair. and silverware before he arrived. So he he does have so much credit, not just yeah, in Rome, I, but in I know, Italy I know. as well. It was they just, love him. They absolutely adore yeah. him in Rome. Which is bizarre. Uh, Fair, Fair. totally true. It was just Graham saying he's won silverware. He got them to the final of the Europa League. It's just like those two things back to back were were, were lovely. If you want to know how strong his cult of personality is in Italy, if Uh you go into the Roma um, official store, half the shirts are Mourinho ones rather than player ones. Yeah, which which makes total sense, and and I and he does seem beloved. I think him getting that tattoo is, is, if you think about it for a moment, there is no reason for him to have done that. There's no reason for him to have gotten the Europa Conference League tattooed on him. He is not silly enough to be like, oh, I'm the only one to have won all three. I, I know that was his argument at the time, but I do feel like it was a sort of way to be like, I'm proud of this. I'm proud of this team. It further endears him to Roma supporters. It begs the question, though, Graham. Do you feel like that's just him then getting restless and deciding he wants one more shot? Like, why would he leave that to go to someplace where it feels like he's going to fail? Because he's Jose Mourinho. He wants to be in the limelight. And as I say, Roma, but Roma by no measure a small club, but he's not at the elite level at at the moment, right? He's not not at a big Premier League job. He's not at Real Madrid or Barcelona. And so if that opportunity comes up, I I think he'll jump at it. Interestingly, I was reading some quotes from him. Obviously, the January transfer window is now open. Open. I was reading some quotes where he was talking about how Roma might not be able to do the business that I want because of FFP uh-huh. and, you know, we're not going to get the players in. I'm like, he's laying the groundwork. This is it. This is the beginning of him jumping ship in the summer and keeping that connection with the Roma fans by saying, well, you know, it wasn't my fault. I did I did all that I could and him taking over another job. So, yeah, I think I'm that'll int- happen. I'm interested, Graham, when you said the Premier League might not be done with him. Uh, which team do you think he would go to and which hotel in Wolverhampton would he stay? Him while he is coaching there. <laughs> uh, well, Gary O'Neill, would they? Oh, poor Gary O'Neill, that's going to happen, isn't it? He's get, got ditched from Bournemouth after an, ex, an excellent job last season. He's going to get well, ditched by Wolves. There's I'm no not sure Wolves no, count no as strong, the big time, though. I was going to say, there's no strong connection between Wolves and, say, Jose Mourinho's agent or anything like that. No, so I can't not, see how that all, could yeah. possibly happen. Yeah, I think I think Wills is a decent shout. I just struggle to square my prediction he'll be back in the big time with he'll be in the dugout at Molyneux in 2024. <laughs> so it's a lovely stadium, lovely part of the... No, it's not. Um, we're going to... Sorry, Taylor, go ahead. Uh, Graham, we, I feel like we, we link a lot of different people to this job. Like West Ham, again, feels like one where if yeah. things go mm-hmm. wrong, it doesn't feel like they will. It feels like David Moyes is there for the season. But if that were to change, that does feel like a place where he's in the Premier League, he's in London, but it's also not like that top tier where he's expected to play exciting, attractive football. Like It feels like that's one where maybe he could have some success. Yeah, I think so. I mean, West Ham kind of feel like the Roma of the Premier League in terms of where they are in, 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 in that division. Um, West, Ham are, West Ham are sneaky good. West Ham are sneaky good. Their front line is at the moment is Jared Bowen, Mohamed Kudush and Lucas Paqueta. That's one of the best attacks in the Premier League. I can't wait to see how Jose Mourinho completely ruins that in, in, in next season in 2024. Um, but yeah, I agree with you, Taylor. That, that West Ham feels like one that... Brand Mourinho is very strong and West Ham make decisions based on brand values so I could see that Ryan heard Lucas Paqueta and yeah. the smile on his face folks yeah. the smile on his go. face if you were at the World Cup live show you two were, years ago now Ryan. you remember Ryan and Lucas Paqueta a match made in heaven That's, he's still, I still love him Joe I can't uh, I know can't you do lie. 
Yeah, yeah, and he's been he's been looking up lately. I will say. Um, I, I scoffed at West Ham being the uh, Premier League's Roma, but then I thought, hang on, both play in Olympic Stadium, relatively yeah. similar colours, both sort of Capital. top half, but not too far up in the top half kind of aspirations. Won the Conference League. Yeah. Wow, you've nailed it, Graham. Congratulations. David Moyes. Quite proud of that one. David Moyes <laughs> hasn't even gotten that tattoo yet. There we go. Fraud. There's time. <laughs> that you know of. You don't know where it is. Anyway, uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, a few more predictions for 24. Back shortly. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, who would like to remind you when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. You don't want to end up with Ryan, Graham, and Joe. Just kidding. Just kidding. Very much just kidding, because I was very fortunate to have the three of them all join the show. And I had existing relationships with all three of them that allowed me to know that they could handle the the the, uh, the amount of work that would be required, that they could be diligent in their tasks and be very effective on mic. And all three of them are. But again, that's because you have the existing relationship. If you don't feel like you have that with potential hires, then LinkedIn is going to make it very, very easy. And they're going to make it feel like you are connected to that person. They have a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because it gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. But when you are setting the requirements and making it very specific as to what you're looking for, you can very quickly narrow it down to find the right candidate for that position. Hiring is easy when you have that many candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring, and you can too. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash TSS. That's linkedin.com slash TSS to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Thank you very much to LinkedIn for sponsoring today's episode. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Total Soccer Show, welcome back to our predictions episode for 2024. I'm going to come straight in with my next one. Um, Wayne Rooney will be manager of the month for Birmingham. Oh, no, wait, that's an old one. I need to, to leave that <laughs> off of the list. Sorry. Um, I'm going to go for the Oof. Champions League one instead. Real Madrid are going to win the Champions League for the 15th time. I think I've said before on this here feed that they are my pick to win it this year. I think they've got a, not that it matters too much in the grand scheme, but I think they've got a relatively easy draw in a round of 16 with uh, RB Leipzig. They last lost in September, I think, in the derby that was. Uh, they're in very good form, top of Liga. And they've got Jude, Joe. They've got the yep. secret. They've got the key to unlock yep. everything. I, he is that key. What, 13, 14 goals right now? It's absolutely absurd what he's done with Kareem Benzema going off to Saudi Arabia. Jude Bellingham apparently is is the guy now, and it's been amazing to watch to the point where we did a whole big thing episode about that very topic. Real Madrid are, are the real deal. They're clearly the best team in La Liga. Sorry, Girona. Not so sorry, Barcelona, because, I mean, look in the mirror. But they're a really, really good team. And I don't think any of us on this show right now or anybody listening would bat an eye if you tell them that they're Champions League winners. I still would go, I can't remember how we broke it down, Ryan. It was Yumi and Goss, right, who sort of went through that, or maybe it was Taylor. I don't I don't remember anymore. But I think you ended up with Real Madrid, and I took maybe Man City and, and one other team, and then we gave Goss the field, and I still think 
City are are my. Oh, I think I got Bayern and City. That's yeah, probably what I was. Bayern, you had Joe. I, I still think one of those two are going to get the job done. But Real Madrid are, are right in that top tier, maybe at the top of that top tier. Um, I, I don't I don't have any issues with this prediction at all. Yeah, I think Graham. There's a rule in soccer: you never bet against Real Madrid winning the Champions League. Surely. Not at this point. Uh, how many? Point. 15, right? Yeah, and, and I think like 10 of those have come in the last 15 years or something like that. It feels like every other year Real Madrid win the Champions League. So Man City won it last year. It's surely Real Madrid's turn this season. Yeah, well, La Decima was the one they were going for, the 10th one, for many, many, many years. Well, that then... seemed to take ages. And yeah. then, you know, it was like getting, getting the ketchup out of the bottle. It just went all over the plate with the next few Champions League titles after that. Lovely ketchup-based analogy, but you're quite right. The floodgates <laughs> of ketchup did open thereafter. Taylor, any thoughts on the Champions League winner? Would you take the field? Would you take uh, City and Bayern, or would you take Real Madrid in that pro- in that uh, offering? Again, it feels like we should never ever roll out Real Madrid when it comes to the Champions League. I think I might take the field though, because uh, like you say, they've got an easy draw against Leipzig, and I do feel like they'll get past them. Like City of Copenhagen, like I feel like that's that of those two, I would probably rather get uh, Copenhagen than Leipzig. So they've got a pretty easy draw there. If they do sort of build up the head of steam that we expect, I could see them being able to, if not like fully rest players, then not be in kind of a bind heading into Champions League knockout games. So I think it could be City, it could be Bayern. Uh, Either way, I have Real Madrid winning the league. Uh, That was my prediction, even as Jude Bellingham's form cools off, which I also think will happen. I don't think he can keep that form up. Uh, uh, Don't worry, you're definitely going to win the Euros, and that's a stone-cold prediction. It's totally, you're going to win comfortably. It's all going to be great. This isn't a reverse jinx at all. Um, But yeah, I think Real Madrid win the league. Jude Bellingham maybe doesn't reach the goal-scoring and assist feats that he has reached in the first half of the season, but it just feels like they have... The experience, obviously, in winning titles to kind of know how to get the job done, know how to stay in the competition or conversation. Uh, Barcelona are having plenty of problems. Atleti always find ways to get in their own way. I don't think Girona will be able to, Girona, I still don't know which one it is, uh, will be able to kind of sustain the title challenge, even if we've said that about other clubs previously and then they went on to do so. But the major thing, which I didn't know about, but made me feel even more confident in this prediction, I missed that Carlo Ancelotti had renewed his deal. Uh, You all mentioned that before we started recording. And that feels like a, not necessarily a motivator, but just a a not detractor. Whereas if he were leaving, I could easily see it as players being like, well, what's coming next? What does this season really matter? What does it mean? And just some of that focus being lost. And I think if you have a team that's 10% less focused, it can cost you points over the course of the season. Ancelotti renewing, uh, and like I think it builds confidence. It it, it breeds a, a feeling of belief. I would I would expect, and I think he stays just as focused as he's been. So I feel like if not the Champions League, Real Madrid winning La Liga, uh, even if Jude Bellingham can't continue to score a ridiculous amount of goals. Look at us sticking our neck out, saying Madrid are going to win Shocking. things. Crazy, crazy times. Uh, Joe, hey, would you like the to, Luis uh... Suarez one was kind of bold. I felt like it gave me cover oh, yeah, to make some obvious That's predictions. True. Very much so. Very much so. <laughs> Anything bold in your locker, Joe, for predictions? Yeah, I've got something bold. So to take us back to Major League Soccer for a minute and to step at least half a step away from Inter-Miami because they're the obvious ones to make predictions about, I think an MLS team is going to equal the all-time MLS record for goals in a single game. Now, does anybody want to take a stab at who that team was that set the record, what it is, and when it was set? You have to because uh, I've now teed it up. Can you, can you say, is it for or against? Because Charlotte could... Uh, get the <laughs> four, four, and I'll tell you that the the game, the team that scored these goals, did not do it against Charlotte FC. 
Joe, wait, what was the prompt one more time? Just Sorry. anybody who wants to guess either the number of goals, the record number of goals scored in an MLS game, who scored okay. them, like what team, or when it was scored. I will give full points for any of those answers. Ugh, I have no idea where to begin, but it's normally like seven or eight, so I'll go with like a team scored seven in a game. Oh, that's wrong. Sorry, go ahead, Taylor. I'm going to say um, nine, and it was Real Salt Lake. Also wrong. Go ahead, Taylor. Pick eight. Pick eight. Eight Galaxy? <laughs> yes, to both. Oh, Back in 1998 on. against the Dallas Burn RIP. Uh, I think an MLS team. By the way, if you hadn't said eight, I would have said like 10 or 11. So okay. I don't really awesome. get the points. Great great work on all fronts, everybody. I think an MLS team is going to score eight goals in a single game this year. Inter Miami are, are my favorite team to do that because of reasons that we've already said and everybody else understands. Uh, I also think... The Columbus crew, I think, had six goals in a game in the regular season this past year. Year two under Will Fernandez, they're only going to get better, and they're probably not going to make a massive midseason roster overhaul in the way that they did last year. So they're going to have extra games to sort of get that recipe just right. LAFC could bag a, a bunch of goals. The Galaxy are trying to spend like $20 million across a couple of DPs right now. And they have Ricky Pouge as well that everybody's sort of forgotten about. So I think there are other teams that could do this as well. But somebody across Major League Soccer is going to get their name in the history books for equaling that Galaxy record from 98. That's my prediction for MLS this year. I like I like that prediction. I like it a lot more than what I initially thought because I, I I thought you said they will score the most goals like ever in a game. And so I had to do some Googling. I think the record is 149 to nothing. So I was like, Joe, that is a bold prediction, <laughs> sir. But now I understand. Now I, Charlotte now are I bad. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Charlotte, Charlotte are bad. They're not quite that bad. Taylor, is that one of those like a thousand against one soccer challenges? Or like how how is somebody scoring 144 goals or whatever mean, the number was in a single it, game? It was in the Madagascan top flight. Oh, Pele so played there. That's right. Okay. Yeah. There That's you right. go. It's, it's and I'm Pele sure Madagascan wasn't an allegation <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah, man, the over-under on that game must have been crazy, Ryan. I can't even imagine. The payout there is unreal. Indeed. Good stuff. It was a team uh, of lemurs versus a team of lemurs. It was it was controversial. That's Madagascar 4 that you're thinking of, Taylor. That, that <laughs> didn't take place in Madagascar 3. <laughs> I need to see Madagascar 4 by the sound of it. Uh, Graham. I, I would watch that. So would I. <laughs> I don't know how you make 149 to nothing dramatic, but I, I, they could find a way. Thank the you. King's Cup in uh, in honor of King Julian, of course. Uh, Graham, uh, your prediction, well please. Well done. <laughs> um, so Taylor mentioned England winning the the Euros in the summer. That is not my prediction. I know you'll be shocked to to learn, but it is Euros adjacent, I guess. So it's pretty much an open secret that Gareth Southgate will leave as England manager after the Euros. I think his contract is up at the after the Euros. He had to kind of been talked into staying on this far after the the Qatar World Cup. Um, but I'm not going to predict that Southgate will leave as England manager because I think that would have been too easy. So I'll have a go at predicting his successor instead. And, and I think it will be Eddie Howe. So I know what you're thinking. Eddie Howe currently has a job. He's the Newcastle United manager. Well, I don't think that will be the case by the end of the season. Newcastle are in poor form at the moment. I wouldn't say it's imminent that he's going to get sacked in the next few weeks or anything. But I think Howe can only last so long when their season is on the line. And obviously they qualified for the Champions League last season that doesn't look likely this season and so they won't they won't want to slide down the mountain too much so I think Howe will make a with some dignity he will leave St James's Park maybe at the end of the season and that'll clear the way for him to be the next England manager. Graham if Eric Ten Hag managed to stay in his job would you favor it being uh, Eddie Howe or would you favor it being Graham Potter? Uh, Eddie Howe I think at this point I mean Graham Potter potentially 
See, this is the stupid thing. Should about we just Super get them automated? Chelsea? Jose Mourinho there, Grandpa <laughs> no, there, Eddie Howe there. They're all going to manage Every, together. Yeah, I mean, one of these managers will get it right at some point. I'm sure that'll fix things for Manchester United. Hey, but, um, are you a Glazer? I didn't know that was. I didn't know that about you, Graham. <laughs> the most offensive thing you've ever said to me is, "Are you a, a Glazer?" Um, you look just like a Glazer. Is that better? Certainly not. Oh, that's even worse. <laughs> like some kind of drowned rodent anyway um, yeah I do like your ballot <laughs> this is the stupid thing <laughs> it's new for Christmas yeah and my Tampa Bay Buccaneers shirt um, <laughs> this is the stupid thing about soccer right because obviously Chelsea are a basket case club and I don't think it's fair to judge any manager on how they do there but I, I did a bit judge Graham Potter on how he did at Chelsea and it wasn't particularly great so um, I'm kind of not really sure if Graham Potter is uh, a, an elite level manager now whereas Eddie Howe I'm not sure about him either but I'm probably a little bit closer to believing he's at that level okay um I I'm I'm gonna drop an England Euros prediction that might shock you England will drop out of the Euros at the quarterfinal stage uh I think they're expected to win it I believe they're the favorites at the moment uh, ahead of France and Germany in the betting odds as I look at them now my third favorites is that yeah. just because they drew us? The, Germ- all the bookies bumped them up. <laughs> yeah, so Germany are plus 700 uh, uh, to win in a home tournament, which is absolutely wild with France and England ahead of them. England's uh, odds are almost half of Germany's, which is insane, uh, frankly. But um, for me, Graham, I think the deck's been running a bit too hot for England for a few two years, frankly. Had several chances to win a <laughs> tournament. I don't think we'll get a better chance to win the World Cup than we did in 2018 with that pathway I don't think we'll get a better chance to win the Euros than we did when uh, Giorgio Chiellini uh, cruelly grasped it from our hands in 2021 I think Gareth Southgate the cautiousness might catch up a little bit I'm not sure he's going to make the most use of the dozens of young attacking mm. midfielders um, I'm not sure if Jude Bellingham or Cole Palmer are going to shine like they might yeah. do at the domestic level so I just think it uh, heartbreak feels like it's on the horizon for the English so that's very much the English football fan in you speaking, and I totally get it because I'm I'm I I also feel like England are due one. Like they've been they've been competitive and good for too long, and as we have seen over history, every so often they have won and they drop out the group stage or they go out in the quarterfinals to Portugal or Brazil or something like that. But then objectively, you look at that team: Jude Bellingham and Harry Kane are probably the two best players in the world right now. So with every oh, tournament, on. sorry, go ahead. Thank he you. is in the dis- the discussion, but he's not human, Joe. So I'm discounting right. him from <laughs> player, not cyborg. Continue exactly. Um, so I, I I just that makes me nervous that England just have so much quality. And I, I think I said in one of my uh, Thanksgiving uh, things, what Thanksgiving bits, that I was thankful for Gareth Southgate because I'm not really sure if he is if he's got it in him to lead England to a major tournament. But there's also this scenario where England just have such good players that in spite of him they just do it, and that's the that's what I'm fearful of. Vibesing all the way, you think, Graham, perhaps. Well, Deschamps has done that in every <laughs> tournament so far. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, we're nearly out of time. Taylor, any uh, any other predictions you want to squeeze in for this ep? Yeah, uh, I predicted this one when we first decided to do this show. I feel slightly less confident right now, but I have Sean Deitch will win manager of the season. Uh, I think he's given uh, stability to a very... Uh, unstable club and I think he gets a lot of the credit for that or should uh, I think Everton will stay up despite that 10 point deduction even if they've had a sort of poor run of form of late I think that's against stronger opposition I think over the course of the season they're going to end up staying up somewhat comfortably uh, and and I think Sean Dyche deserves and should get a huge amount of praise for that but then I also think if it's Man City winning the title which I which as I said I think it will be like 
that feels somewhat expected, basically. So, like, maybe Pep isn't as strong of a candidate, even if Liverpool finish second. Like, finishing second and not winning, Jurgen Klopp deserves a ton of credit, but I don't know if that gets him in the conversation. The only, like, strong candidate I see would be Unai Emery if Villa qualify for the Champions League, which I think they will. So I think it will be one of the two of those managers. Uh, But since Unai Emery is just continuously disrespected in the Premier League, I feel like it won't be him. It will be Sean Dyche. Is it quite hard to win manager of the season if you don't win the Premier League? I don't know. I didn't look up past winners. Out Everton from that? <laughs> no, not, I'm ruling out Sean Dyche at all from that, I suppose, in theory. I mean, yeah, if they do it with a 10-point deduction as well, very impressive indeed. I think, if I'm not wrong, I haven't got the list in front of me, doesn't, <clears throat> excuse me, doesn't it's like Pep Guardiola basically win it every year? I might be wrong. Yeah, they they tend not to, even in years when someone else It's just Pep every should. year. Yeah. get it they just yeah they just kind of give it to him even when he was managing Bayern they knew he was coming so just yeah. give it to him <laughs> uh, yeah Pep Pep Klopp Pep Klopp Pep Pep Conte Ranieri Mourinho Pulis like Tony Pulis in 2013-2014 <laughs> they definitely did not win the title Crystal Palace it sounded like you, yeah you were dropping a trap beat there for, uh, yeah, you were the beatbox and there was a horse walking in here <laughs> Pep Klopp Pep Pep Klopp <laughs> Oh, uh, Graham, any other predictions to uh, round it out? These can be two things. Uh, Frank Lampard will get sacked because if there's one thing you can count on happening every single year, it's that Frank Lampard will get sacked by some club somewhere. He's been hired yet, has he? Well, that'll happen and then he'll get sacked. (laughs) Birmingham Uh, City hired him and fired him in like seconds. Yeah, in the time that we've been recording this, he's been hired and fired by Birmingham City because that's what they do. Uh, Julian Nagelsmann will wear a kilt for the opening game of the Euros (laughs) and then be made to look a bit silly when Scott McTominay scores a stoppage time winner for Scotland. Uh, Mikel Arteta will finally get punched by a match official at some point during a Premier League game. And Portugal will win the Euros and I'll never be allowed on this podcast again by the order of uh, Roberto Martinez. Wow. Please don't let Portugal win the Euros, Graham. If anything happens this summer, please don't let that happen. I didn't enjoy yeah, I made it when that they did the and I made that prediction, and the Roberto Martinez thing made it difficult enough for me to swallow. Then I remembered Cristiano Ronaldo still plays for them. Mm, wow. Not sure I'm ready for that. Not sure anyone's ready for that. Okay. Uh, Joe, try and finish off these predictions on a more positive note, please. Anything else on your uh, on your list? Yeah, I've got, I've got a few that I'll go through very, very quickly. Taylor, to ask you, because I think you're the most likely of, of anybody else on this show besides me to have seen this, have you seen what New York, excuse me, New Jersey, New York, Gotham are doing in the NWSL right now? No. Have you seen anything about this? Okay, no. buckle up, folks. It's about to be quite the ride. Let's recap the last few months for Gotham, shall we? We know part of this story already. Listeners know part of this story already, for sure. They signed Spanish World Cup winning striker Esther Gonzalez. Graham, you like Esther Gonzalez. She's a good player. Very, very good number nine. Good in midfield. She was used as sort of a number eight last year under Amaros. Then they win the NWSL championship. Not necessarily because they signed Esther Gonzalez, but they win the title, which is great. Very exciting. They went from worst to trophy. Then in the offseason, they sign Crystal Dunn. Hello. They signed Tierna Davidson. Hello. They're heavily, heavily linked and reporting from Meg Linehan certainly backs us up to Emily Sonnet and Rose Lavelle. It is an insane offseason from Gotham right now who are just collecting uh, US WNT players like they're going out of style. Like they're, they're collecting these folks to sell them on eBay in like f- four years for a huge profit. Like it is absurd what Gotham are doing right now. The Don and Lavelle combo is going to be ridiculous along with Mitch Purse, Lynn Williams, the other player, Esther Gonzalez that are already here. So my prediction around Gotham and their ridiculous offseason so far, I don't think they're like obvious 
I don't think they're they're guaranteed or obvious trophy winners right now. Frankly, the NWSL has too much parity for that. And, and I think there are still questions about how everything comes together. But it's a good team. So I think they're going to lead the NWSL in goals in 2024. They, they didn't score a whole bunch of goals last year, only scored 25 and 22 regular season games that put them 10th in the league in goals. I think they've got a real shot to beat the Thorns, who are pretty much every year now the highest attacking team in the league because they have Sophia Smith and Morgan Weaver. But I really like what Gotham are doing, at least in terms of how it's going to improve their attack. I'll be floored if they're not better in the attack this year than they were last year. And I'll be really surprised if they're not pushing for the title of top scorers in the NWSL. So that's one. Very quickly, my, my last two. Jaden Shaw, uh, incredible. I think I talked about her on the Patreon recently. Taylor, everybody else on this show, if you haven't watched Jaden Shaw and you're going to watch a USWNT game this year, like just go watch four minutes of highlights right now and smile for the rest of your day because she is unbelievably good. She's going to finish either first or second in the U.S. Women's National Team goal contributions race this year. So goals and assists combined. Got the W Gold Cup, got a big games, got the Olympics coming up. Jaden Shaw is going to play a key role for all of that, both before and after M. Hayes is hired. She's the real deal and maybe the best young player in the entire pool right now and maybe the best young player in the world. She's that good. She's going to be first or second in goals and assists combined this year for the USWNT. And then finally, Gio Reyna. He's going to get a move. I don't know if it's going to be in the January oh, window yeah. or if it's going to be in the summer, but I think Gio Reyna is going to get a move. He's played just about 250 minutes this year, and that's not only because of injuries. It's partly because of injuries, but also he just straight up hasn't been playing. I think we're going to get a change of scenery for Gio Reyna before this calendar year ticks over to 2025. Ooh. Where's he going to go? Uh, Graham, where's he going to go? Where's Gio Reyna going to go? People are asking <laughs> about that. Gladbach, AC Milan, or Wolves. I don't know why I said Wolves, just the second mention of them on this podcast. Ryan, he's going to go to Gladbach, AC Milan, or Wolves. Got One it, of those you. three I feel good about. I think uh, Italy Joe, could be good for him. Graham. Going back to Gotham, um, are any of those signings going to dislodge Lynn Williams from the starting lineup? Because over Christmas, I watched the USWNT World Cup as on Netflix do- documentary, um, and I-, I decided that I am like a Lynn Williams stan, and Kristen <laughs> Mewis as well. Those two, I only want good t- good things for those two, and so I don't want Lynn Williams losing, losing her place for Gotham this year. Yeah, Christy Mewis is gone, so there's an extra spot in midfield, although Mewis wasn't really starting towards the end of the year either. So Lavelle, if she signs, will pop up in midfield somewhere. I don't know where Dunn is going to go. Maybe right back, maybe left back, maybe... Who knows, right? It's, it's always a question. The Crystal Dunn, I don't think any of these moves, even when you factor in some of the other ones that they're probably going to make, are going to do a darn thing for Lynn Williams, Graham, other than make her even better. So you should be yes, fine. Yes, that's what I want to hear. Thanks, Joe. You're welcome. Thanks, Joe. I'm going to keep my eye out for Jaden Shaw as well, and also her uh, equal and opposite counterpart, um, Luke Sancho. Uh, that's a thinking one for you there. Thank you very much. Uh, that Listener, that is our predictions for 2024. Taylor. Well done. You've done some good predicting. Let's listen to this in a year's time and all um, laugh merrily at how many we got right. Yeah, when Luis Suarez ends up playing like eight games in total next season, <laughs> I'll feel mildly foolish. We shall do indeed. Thank you very much, Taylor. Graham, thank you very much for your forward-looking process here. Thank you, Ryan Bailey. <laughs> uh, Joe Lowry, thank you very much for having internet, which got a lot better during this episode. Thank I'm you. I'm really trying. Uh, thanks, guys. I also don't think we got a Ryan Bailey bingo, so no RBB. We hit, we had a couple of slots so far, uh, but I don't think we got four in a row. So just to update listeners on that front, if you're playing along at home and I'm wrong, then please let me know in the Discord. Okay, I will try harder to be me in the next episode. How about that? Yeah. And if you'd like to see the disco card... Uh, Go to the Discord, the Discord Disco, patreon.com slash Total Soccer Show. 
please do visit there to support the show. In the meantime, listener, thank you very much for joining us on this one. Let us know your thoughts. We'll be back on the feed very shortly, but for now, bye!